What would you say are some of the qualities a good business owner has to have? They're very resilient. They have a growth mindset. They know how to be resourceful and keep going even when when times get tough. Just learning how to move forward and not be debilitated when something not so great happens and figuring out how to keep going. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. It is May. <laughs> it's May, the month. Crazy. I'm very excited for this episode because I interviewed Courtney Spritzer. She's a serial entrepreneur and somebody that I truly admire. She is a powerhouse in the digital marketing industry. She's the CEO of Socialfly, which is the leading social media agency that focuses on helping brands communicate with women. She's also the co-host of the Entrepreneurista podcast, where she shares her expertise on business strategies and female empowerment. She's also the creator of Workrobe and DigiCards and an Inc. 100 female founder. She co-authored Like Love Follow, the entrepreneur's guide to using social media to grow your businesses. This just keeps on going on and on. So impressive. In the episode, we talked about Courtney's entrepreneurial journey, how to choose your co-founder, how to grow your business, how to start a podcast, why is podcasting important, how to network, how to time block. This is such a useful episode for any female in business, not just entrepreneur. But before we jump into the episode, you know that I love to read your reviews. And today's review comes from... Nina V717. The title goes, she made me write a review. I have never written a review for a podcast before, so I think this says it all. Coco's podcast has been a huge support to the extent that in whatever little way I could return the favor, I wanted to, hence the review. Thank you for all you do, being a beautiful voice of reason and encouragement to live our best lives. (laughs) Wow, this is a beautiful review. Thank you so much. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show grow. The bigger the show gets, the bigger the guest gets. Do me that tiny little favor and leave that five-star rating and review. It takes just a few seconds. Wonderful. Okay, without further ado, let's welcome Courtney to the podcast. Courtney, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to chat with Miss Entrepreneurista, CEO of Socialfly. I feel like this episode is going to be so fun because, first of all, I love your work. We were hanging out a few weeks ago at the Entrepreneurista 100 event at Palm Beach. Just excited to share your wisdom yeah, and your beauty. Super. And everything. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to collaborate. And as you know, I love to collaborate with other women. Okay, let's start with the basics. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Give me a little background. All right, we're going to go back uh, all the way to the beginning. So I was born and raised in New York in a town called Riverdale, which is in the Bronx. And I actually relocated to Miami uh, three years ago during the pandemic. But for the for most of my life, I have been living in New York. I went to NYU. I studied economics. At the time that I went to NYU, I had no idea what I wanted to be. I actually had to take on student loans to go to NYU. Uh, so I knew that after I graduated, I 
would have to figure out, okay, how am I going to pay all of this back? Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided to major in something that would get me into the business field, get me into finance, because that's what I saw a lot of people uh, doing uh, at NYU who ultimately ended up making a lot of money after graduation. So I pursued something for money. And then Mm -hmm. what I realized three years after graduating from NYU and working into corporate America, I found myself really unhappy and not uninspired and not looking forward to going to work every day. And uh, I, at that point, realized that I wanted to do something not for the money, but I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. And I really wanted to look forward to going to work every day. And at the time, being in my early 20s, what was I passionate about at that time? It was social media. (laughs) So at the Mm -hmm. company that I was working at, they were starting to form partnerships with Twitter and Foursquare and Facebook and really embracing social media before I saw a lot of other businesses start to embrace social media. And it made me realize that this obsession that I had of being spending way too much time on Facebook, and at the time, uh, Instagram was starting to come up. Uh, it made me realize that it could actually be a career and it could be something I could, that I could pursue to make a living. So basically, you started a job that you just did for the money. And then yes. while you were at that job that you kind of hated, they started implementing social media. And then you're like, yo, this is actually what I want to do. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm, I'm working at this horrible job. I hate my job, blah, blah. But that job opened up a whole new world for you you kind of found what you wanted to do. Absolutely. And uh, and what I realized about myself is that I'm really, really hardworking and a very much a motivated person. Uh, even when I was at NYU, I uh, had a lot of internships. I was always very, very curious about business and different types of businesses. Uh, I probably had about seven internships while I was at NYU in a wide variety of of industries, mostly finance at the time because that's the business I wanted to get into. But at every single internship, I met really great people and learned something new. Uh, And then when I graduated, I had two full-time jobs after I graduated. Uh, Both were publicly traded companies. And at both of those jobs, I met such incredible people and learned a lot about operations and how businesses operate and the different departments and how people have to work together and how to do or be involved in a performance review and how to kind of conduct yourself in a corporate setting amongst all of these adults. So looking back at all those experiences, I have no regrets. I think I took a lot of what I found worked really well and took them into the business that I ultimately ended up starting. Talk to me about Socialfly. Socialfly is the first business that I started, and it's still the business that I uh, spend the most of my time in and run the day-to-day of. Socialfly started as a side hustle. Again, here I am in, you know, how old am I? I'm 22, 23 years old. I am working in corporate America, and I happen to meet my business partner while on vacation right out of, out of college. And she had kind of introduced me to the world of social media marketing. She had Uh, already started an agency with a business partner and um, 
when I shared with her that I wanted to get into the space, she uh, really took me under her wing and uh, convinced me to actually uh, come on board and and start the company with her uh, or start a company with her. She actually had to dissolve the first business that she started because uh, it didn't uh necessarily work out with the business partner that she had. So we came together. We realized quickly that we had opposite skill sets. And if you meet the two of us, a lot of times people are saying like, how are the two of you? Uh, how have you been working together for the past 10 plus years? Because you're so, so different. And advice that I give to uh, people that are starting businesses, uh, especially if they're bringing on a co-founder, is to make sure that you have opposite skill sets. Uh, you really want to make sure that you're complementing each other and that um, you can bring different skills to the table because for most businesses, when you're just starting out, you have a limited amount of time and resources. So you can definitely cover more ground when you have people on the team that can do and excel at different things. So when did you start uh, Socialfly? We started it uh, back in 2011 on the side of our full-time jobs. And then after about 10 months of working nights and weekends, we said to each other, if this is ever going to be a real business, we just got to go all in and do it or not do it at all. And we were young. We were in our early 20s. We were very naive. We did not really know um, what we were signing up for. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, you have to be somewhat naive um, when you're starting that first business. Otherwise, you probably won't do it because it's so, so hard. Um, you think, or at least I can just speak for myself, my motivation for starting Social Fly was really because I was passionate about social media and I really wanted to look forward to going to work every day and work on uh, social media campaigns for various clients. I mean, as a young 20-year-old looking back, like how, what more could you ask for? Being paid to do something that you already love to do was just an absolute dream come true. Uh, so the fact that we were able to make that a reality in the first year of starting, you know, one thing led to another. We joined a bunch of networking groups. We were able to sign cl up clients right away through that. We were one of the first social media agencies to start. So there were not a lot of people doing what we were doing, which is why we were able to get a lot of traction from the early days. But what ended up happening uh, after that first year was, okay, we have this uh, really nice growth. Now we need to bring on people to help us. Uh, and really from that point forward, uh, my role in the business really changed. It went from working on social campaigns to figuring out how to grow a business, how to lead a team, how to hire people, how to budget for things, how to pay people. Uh, all of these things that I did not realize I was getting myself into. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that either when they're just starting out. A lot of them are trying to solve something that they wish that they had. And then if the idea is successful and takes off, your role can really morph into brand new things that you did not know you were going to end up having to do. Yeah, so That's what I've been doing for the last nine years is managing people <laughs> and running a team. I was about to say, you start a business by you know, solving a need or doing something you love, and then you start actually running a business. And sometimes people, it kind of takes the joy out of them. And they maybe they don't even I mean, that's kind of what happened with me and makeup, to be very honest, even though I love makeup, and I'll always love makeup. And you know, 
I don't want to, I don't want the makeup gods to hear me, but I just started looking at it as such a business and it was too much business around my passion. So I kind of stopped doing that. You mentioned a lot of interesting things, how to run a business, how to budget, how to hire. And that's pretty much why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I've seen what you guys have been doing and with Entrepreneurista, and it's just so impressive. And I would love for you to kind of guide, I mean, me included and all of our listeners of how to actually run a business. So you guys start a company, you were doing everything yourselves in the very beginning beginning. And then you're like, okay, we need to scale this up. That's also a very tough decision. It's like, when do you actually want to invest money into hiring somebody else or, you know, building a new platform or buying more inventory or whatever your business may be. So tell me if you can, you know, remember that time, how did you make those tough decisions? And what was your first big investment? Yeah. So when running the agency, and it's still um, kind of the same for for most businesses, when Stephanie and I first started, we were completely bootstrapped and we did not raise any money. We still have not raised any money for Social Fly. So everything grew organically and we were doing all the work, wearing all the hats. Uh, when we first started, we started in the summertime. Uh, so we quit our jobs on May 4th and our first action uh, was to find interns. So we actually had six interns help us out for the summer that we found on Craigslist, which is not how we would find interns in this day. But 10 years ago, Craigslist was was the place to go. And we got some incredible (laughs) interns on Craigslist. I found my first roommate on Craigslist when I moved to New York. So I know I know the the vibe. Yeah, Craigslist uh, can make it happen. And it did for us. So we found this incredible group of, of interns to help us out. And by the time the summer ended, we had built up a base of clients and they were all going back to college. So at that point in time, uh, we looked at our workload, looked at, uh, you know, what was most effective for us to be doing and realized that it was time to bring someone on part time. Uh, Me having that finance background actually really came in handy. Uh, I don't even know how I would run the business if I didn't have that experience prior to running the business of really understanding cash flow and and budgeting. Uh, But we realized after the summer we needed help. We had a certain amount of reoccurring revenue coming in. And we figured out what we could afford. We wrote a job description of what we were looking for. And I think Stephanie or uh, had shared it with some friends. And we got a recommendation from someone. Um, and we brought in our first person part-time. She started uh, a few days a week. And then eventually by the end of the year, this is 2012, uh, there was enough work to bring her on full time. Uh, but that first role that we hired for uh, w- was a social media manager. Uh, when we first started, we were uh, very much a small team and a team of generalists. We were all doing a little bit of everything. And social media was still in its infancy. So that uh, made sense. But as social evolved, we, of course, had to evolve with it if we wanted to stay in business. And now, in order to be successful, um, on social media, we had to grow a team and uh, pivot our team to be a team of specialists. So we have social media strategists, graphic designers, art directors, copywriters, influencer, marketing specialists, and a whole paid media team. Uh, and now to be successful on social, you have to do all of those things really, really well. Uh, and we've worked with hundreds of brands over the past 10 years and 
it's it's actually it's really really rewarding. The days are tough. The entrepreneur journey is a roller coaster. Uh, but something that Stephanie and I did and still do uh, is whenever a new social media capability comes out, we dive right in and learn it for ourselves. So for two years, we had a Facebook Live show called Social Live, uh, where we would share 15-minute uh, updates once a week on everything brands needed to know about social media marketing. And then in 2018, when we saw podcasting become uh, a a new uh, platform, uh, we decided to learn more about it. And that's when we launched our podcast, uh, Entreprenista Podcast, which uh, when we were initially thinking about what to create a podcast for, uh, we knew that at that point in time, we're now almost you know seven years into running a business, uh, we really wanted to talk about the entrepreneurship journey because we had learned so, so much. And through our journey, a lot of women were coming to us asking for advice. So uh, if we went out to coffee with all of those women, we would never have time to run our business. So we decided to share that advice at scale through podcasting. And what happened really as a result of us knowing how to be good marketers and that being our background and also with the stories that we were sharing, uh, the podcast quickly got a lot of traction and it became our favorite part of the week. We really look forward to uh, talking to all of the women. We were getting a lot of incredible women on the podcast, uh, which was kind of like We've had so many pinch me moments or pinch me guests uh, over the last three years. And then, so now we're in 2019, we're recording the podcast. Uh, my business partner uh, was on bed rest actually for most of 2019 because she had a complicated pregnancy. So I'm also now running the business without her, which is a whole nother set of uh, challenges and learnings. Then eventually she comes back and COVID hits. So okay. uh, that's another uh, another great thing <laughs> one for thing after the other. one thing after the other, which is, you know, for me and for Stephanie, it's very, very important that we're very honest with what it really takes to be an entrepreneur because it looks very glamorous on social media, but the reality is there's lots of highs and lots of lows. So but the successful entrepreneurs know how to be resourceful and know how to move forward when times are really tough and things are thrown at you and you're experiencing curveballs and things aren't going to plan. you got to just figure out how to make it work. So in 2020, we're now dealing with a pandemic uh, like a lot of other people and business owners and navigating that. And then something we realize is that, you know, a lot of women uh, were leaving the for workforce at such a rapid rate. And again, uh, we found ourselves being in a position to be giving advice to uh, a lot of people reaching out to us. And we decided, you know, we had no idea where the world was going to eventually evolve, it, go and evolve into. So we pushed the fast forward button on a lot of future plans and we decided to evolve and spin off the podcast and morph it into a media company and private membership community um, called Entreprenista Media and Entreprenista League, which has uh, over a thousand members now. We officially launched it in May of 2021. Um, May is when we like to launch things. It's a May 4th is our tell, special yeah. date. Uh, so yeah, so the so now and then again, Stephanie runs uh, Entrepreneurista. I run Social Fly. You really got to be focused to make anything work. And 
that is how we're able to run two businesses at the same time. I just realized I launched my podcast in May, last May. Ah, we love about May. May. Was it May 4th? <laughs> no, it was May 31st, only because I gave myself, um, I, I wanted to start my podcast for the longest time. And then I always like prolonged it. Oh, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with my cover. I'm not happy with this. And I gave myself a promise. I will launch it in May. It was May 31st when I dropped my first episode because I was also very nervous. Who's going to be my first episode? Who's going to, you know, it was a lot of questions. But May, I was like the 31st. If anything, it has to be in May. Okay, podcasting. What do you love about podcasting? I saw the your face lit up as you started talking about your podcast. I love podcasting so much because it can accomplish so many things at the same time. And I am the most, I try, I aim to be very, very efficient with my time. So in the, a one-hour podcast, here's what you can accomplish. You can meet someone you either haven't met or you can get to know someone uh, that you already know in a much deeper way. I mean, I'm sharing things with you that I probably don't even share to my closest friends. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's one. You're building a, a relationship very quickly with someone. And then two, um, you are creating content, which as we all know, um, we need content to uh, feed our social channels and um, and and share our, our messaging and share share the things that we want to say. And it it's a great way to to get a lot of content in a short amount of time. And then the third thing that I love most is that I'm able to share stories of other women founders with other people that uh, are either new to their entrepreneur journey or many years in, and they can learn from the recording. So it accomplishes so much in a one-hour session, and that's what I love most. I absolutely agree. I feel like every time I have a, if I'm recording a podcast with someone, I learn something new. And it's such a great way to network. And honestly, I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but I created so many amazing relationships ever since that Entrepreneurista event. I think I'm going to have maybe two or three people that I met there on the podcast with some I already recorded, some I'm recording next week. Like it's, it's a really nice community. And Talk to me about networking. Why do you think, I mean, I know why networking is really important, but I would like to hear from you. Uh, Well, just one quick thing on um, the power of podcasting. So Mm -hmm. I met Divya, who I believe is your neighbor. Yes. Because I had her on my (laughs) podcast back in New York when we were both living in New York. And then we became uh, friends when we moved down here and became friends through the podcast because I got to learn so much about her. And she introduced me to you. So podcasting. uh, Yeah, podcasting is very, very powerful from a relationship building and networking standpoint. I don't think you can do better networking than having people on your podcast. I just realized something. That night when we met, when Divya introduced us, I met Sarah from Glow Recipe that same evening. And I just had her on my podcast this morning we recorded. How oh, funny I is love that? that. Yeah. Like, I remember this photo that we took on Ocean Drive. There was like an Ocean Drive event or something. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funny how the world works. I mean, it actually kind of connects with the question I just asked, the power of networking. In your own words, how can somebody become better at networking? Here's something I will tell 
you and and everyone listening is uh, growing up, I was a really, really shy person to the point where I wouldn't even raise my hand. I was too scared to raise my hand in class, even if I knew the answer. Uh, And I was really, really shy all the way till probably the first year of starting Social Fly. And now if I tell people I'm shy, they don't believe me. Or if I tell people I'm an introvert, they think I'm lying. And the reality is um, I'm naturally a very shy person. And if you are shy too, it is possible to kind of learn and grow that muscle of interacting with people that you don't know and and speaking. Uh, but it does take time. It takes practice. And Stephanie and I built our businesses uh, through networking. You know, the first thing that we did when we started our business was join an entrepreneur group. And we also uh, went to a lot of networking events in New York. And that's one of the reasons why we started Entreprenista is, you know, we knew how hard it was to get into certain doors, get certain introductions. And uh, one of the goals is to make it easier for the community to to meet people, meet relevant people. Um, you know, we oftentimes make a lot of personal introductions. We're bringing our network to the community. And networking is really key to growing a business. I don't know anyone that has built a big business without having to meet new people and and talk to customers. Uh, So even a very shy person like me, or if you find yourself being, you know, scared to, to speak up, it is possible. You just have to like continuously put yourself out there and and put yourself in uh, outside your comfort zone. You know, I had to go to events where I had to stand up and and share a little bit about my business in front of, um, you know, 30 people. And every week I was terrified to do that. But over time, it became more comfortable. So my advice is go to that networking event Talk to at least three people, make that your goal, uh, and then, you know, you can leave after that. I always like to set goals, um, but just push yourself to just even say hello. Mm, that's what I always do when I'm going to events. I always try to take at least two contacts or at least meet two new people, which are going to, we can collaborate on some way or work on something or whatever. Funny that you mentioned that you were shy. I would never, ever, ever guess that because, I mean... You, you spoke in front of, I don't know how many hundreds of people's were at that entrepreneurista event. But something that I also realized with me, when I have to speak in front of a, a huge audience, like in person, I get a little more shy. And that's why I recently started going to public speaking classes. And I think that's it. They're, they're everywhere. You just have to look for them. Like if you actually want to step out of your comfort zone, there's so many tools you can, they're, they're all around you. You just have to like open your eyes and kind of look for them. You mentioned something about being efficient with your time. That's something I personally struggle with a lot. I would love to hear how you organize your time or maybe back then when you didn't have all these structures and you didn't have employees. Can you give us a little overview, I guess, of how do you I, I, keep I'm organized? Still, <laughs> I'm still learning, although um, I'm, you know, now is probably the best it's ever been. Um, but in the early days, it was really hard for me. I didn't know about time blocking. I felt like it was my responsibility to take on everything. I thought no one can do this better than me. And why would I pay someone to do this? You know, that's eating into my bottom line. I'll just do it. 
And if you have that mentality, you're quickly going to become burnt out and your business is not going to grow because there's no capacity to take on new business. So we ended up, my business partner and I ended up hiring a business coach and she taught us to do something that I will still do uh, several times a year, which is write out all the things that I'm doing, uh, you know, every quarter. What am I doing? Where did I spend my time? And then look at that list and think, okay, is there someone on the team that can do these responsibilities and um, take this off your pl- uh, my plate? Or is there someone you can hire that can do this for, you know, a price that you can afford given the revenue that you, revenue that you have? And then your time is going to free up to do more valuable things to drive the business forward. Uh, so now uh, on both the social fly and entrepreneurista side, we have a team of people who are responsible for different aspects of the business, and we meet with them regularly throughout the week to check in. Uh, we set the goals for the year. Everyone has specific KPIs. Uh, everyone has specific job descriptions. Everyone knows what they're there to do. And of course, things will morph and change, and we'll have discussions as things change in the business. Um, but Every, everything is very clearly defined, and when we find areas that aren't clear, we do our best to, to make it really clear so that the business can run really efficiently. And then for myself, I uh, like to take my one-on-one meetings on Mondays. I like to block time in the morning to just look at my emails from the day before that I didn't get to. I like to block the last hour of my day to also get to those emails. Um, and then I like to uh, focus on social fly for uh, set times during the week. And then I have specific entrepreneurista hours. Uh, and then I'm involved in a few other ventures that, uh, you know, I try to try to do on Fridays. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's it's definitely helpful. I have to absolutely agree with this time blocking is key and i'm listening to all these entrepreneurs speaking about it and they're all saying the same thing and that's what i'm i try i started doing i started implementing so when you're constantly switching from one thing to another and i'm working I mean, I'm a one woman show pretty much. I have people who help me out like with my podcast and stuff, but I don't have them every single day, you know, around me. So I feel like somebody sends me a message. Oh, I need to reply, but I'm in the middle of recording a video, but okay, I'll just put a pause. And then I'm like, oh, I get a new package or a brand send me a message. It's just so much. And I'm really curious, how do you decide? How do you decide what needs your attention right now? Obviously, if something is time sensitive, but sometimes all of these tasks have kind of like a similar level of importance, I would say. How do you, how do you decide what to focus on first? Yeah, uh, no, I'm like you. If something like if something was happening right now, um, and I learn, actually, here's a tip, turn off your Slack messages, uh, usually, (laughs) or put, you know, my phone right now is like, don't disturb. So like, get rid of all the distractions when it's focus time, um, because it's very easily to, it's very easy to get distracted by, getting that text, getting that Slack message, getting that email. Uh, And if you know you really need to focus on something, turn off all of the distractions if you can. Um, But if an emergency comes up while I'm in the middle of something, like I, this is something that I need to work on. I don't know how to like, let's say I was talking to you right now and I'm going to knock on wood right now because I hope this doesn't happen and some emergency happened. Like Mm -hmm. I will see it 
I'm going to continue the conversation, but now my mind is going to be thinking about that thing that went wrong Mm -hmm. or that thing that needs my attention, and it's not going to allow me to show up and be present for this conversation. So my advice is to just turn it off all of the distractions when you need to be at the moment on something. And then um, as you're planning out your day, um, you know, I do that Monday mornings, uh, I will plan out the week, or I'll do that sometimes on Sunday nights in the, um, prior to the week starting. And I'll try to like block out, okay, this time I'm focused on this, this time I'm focused on this. And again, you know, give yourself grace. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, but try like in the moment when you find yourself like going to like drop everything to do what you want to do. Ask yourself, does this need to be done right now? Is this an emergency? Can this wait? And if it can, and most things can, then like, then, you know, move, stay focused. But um, it's hard. I've heard about this technique. I think it's called Pomodoro. I don't know why is it called Pomodoro, but <laughs> doing something for 25 minutes and just putting an alarm. And that's what I started doing sometimes. If I have to really focus and write something, I put my phone away no notifications. My phone is pretty much always in Don't Disturb, but it's useful when you know, okay, I just have 20 minutes to 25 minutes to do this and I can just focus. And it doesn't seem like it's a long, long task. I also wanted to ask you, if you can walk me through like a typical day, choose whatever day you'd like, because you said that you have like different days doing different things. I guess, uh, let's see, what did I do today? Today I had, um, a check-in on uh, a strategy that we're working on for our clients. So I checked in with the team to see, you know, where we're at, gave gave feedback. Uh, then we got an RFP today from uh, a brand. So I had another meeting with the team to go over what they want, uh, look over, you know, what information we have to submit. Uh, then I got pulled into an entrepreneurista meeting to talk about, you know, something we need to uh, share with a potential partner. Um, then what else? Then I'm doing the podcast with you. Uh, lots of, lots of team meetings, uh, lots of, um, and lots of emailing really. Uh, but that's my typical day. It's a lot of team meetings. Oh, I, I met with some clients today. So that was part of the day. That is a typical day. I'm either meeting Mm -hmm. with the team or meeting with clients or working on entrepreneurista. So for somebody who is not in the social media world, you and I both are, can you explain what does a social media agency do? Yes. Uh, for a lot of people, social media is very, very overwhelming. And uh, social media can also drive really significant results for a brand. Uh, so what we do is we'll create a social media strategy. We'll help brands figure out what should they do on Instagram versus Twitter versus YouTube, and then we'll actually create uh, all the content for their channels. So whether that's graphic design, copywriting, recording videos, hiring content creators to create videos on behalf of the brand, we'll put into a content calendar, they'll approve it, we'll post it. Anytime someone responds to someone on these platforms, we're responding, we're the ones responding back within the brand voice, within the brand guidelines. Then every month we report on the content. So we say these are the types of content that reach the most people, get the most engagement. This type of content gets the most clicks. Then we use that information to come up with a content calendar for the next month to optimize against the results that the brands are looking for. 
Then we also do influencer campaigns. So we'll work with people like you to promote some of our clients. Uh, and we try to make sure that it's a really natural partnership and fit. And then we also, all the ads you see on Instagram and and Twitter and Facebook, we buy and Google will buy all those ads for our clients so that we're driving traffic to their website. And then, of course, providing all of the reporting for it. So it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. You know, I feel people don't even understand. Let's say I post a sponsored, a sponsored post. They don't even know, people who are just consuming the content, how many people had to go through this video and say yes or no. And how many times maybe... I mean, if you're a good content creator, you don't need a, you know, to go back and forth a lot. But how many people? It's like I record the video, then I edit it, then I send it to my manager. My manager sends it to the agency. In the agency, they're talking about it internally. Then maybe they send it to their corporate. It's so many people involved in one single post. Social media is a lot of work. I get comments all the time because I have trolls. They're like, oh, yeah, it's so easy to just take pictures every day. I'm like, why don't you do it then? <laughs> and then let me know the, how it goes. <laughs> you know, as effort, the more effortless it is, the more people looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> the more people commented <laughs> on it and tweaked it and and had an opinion yeah. about it. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of work. And you're right. People don't realize, you know, those that those posts that you see, probably 10 or 20 people had to approve it before it even got posted or had a say in what was said. Uh, so it's uh, it's a really interesting business. <laughs> you mentioned something earlier about being an entrepreneur has its ups and downs. And I feel like people always say, oh, being an entrepreneur is hard, but nobody really says what is so hard about it. So if you can give us a few examples of something that you know, maybe it was a little difficult throughout these years. You know, when we first started, first few months in business, we got a cease and desist letter. And imagine being in your young 20s, getting a letter from a big law firm saying you have to change your name. Um, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise. So going back to like being, you're looking at problems as opportunities um, and having a positive mindset, it's really important to get you through all the tough times like that. So that's, you know, one example, you know, we didn't have any money at that time and it forced us to change our name, which we did and it ended up being a blessing in disguise, but still a, a really scary time. For somebody listening who maybe doesn't know what is a cease and deceit letter? Oh, sorry. We didn't have the trademark for our name, which I know I gave you that advice, get the trademark. But any given week, you'll win a client, you'll lose a client, you have someone quit, you hired a new person, you made this mistake, um, you, you know, some unforeseen thing like a pandemic happens, you know, mm -hmm. those are the types of things that are really challenging for uh, any business owner. It's navigating uncertainty constantly. What would you say are some of the qualities a good business owner has to have? There's, I've met so many types of business owners, and I've also interviewed a lot. And I think common traits that a lot of them have are they're very resilient. Uh, they have a growth mindset, and um, they know how to be resourceful and keep going even when when times get tough. Um, you know, I don't know any entrepreneur that has had, uh, you know. Where they've had a situation where it was all sunshine and rainbows, like everyone has gone through something, uh, something really hard, overcome something really hard. So I think that's what I see as something that's really important to being an entrepreneur is just learning how to move forward and not be, you know, debilitated when something not so great happens and 
figuring out how to keep going. You know, I have a friend of mine, she's one of my best friends, and she actually became an entrepreneur in college. And then um, now she's been working for a variety of different companies. And she's always like, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you stay in shape and keep going after all these years? Because it's really hard. And I, you know, at this point, I feel like a little numb to it because I'm just so used to crazy mm-hmm. things happening randomly throughout the day. Uh, but for a lot of people, it's just not not their forte. And, and that's okay. I think it's very important to say that a lot of people fail. Maybe their first business fails or second or third. It doesn't, you know, I think people get very easily discouraged when they have this idea and they thought it was an amazing idea and they just, maybe they didn't have the right partner. Maybe it was not the right time. It was not a product market fit. There can be a million things. But I wanted to ask you, do you have any advice for people starting a business, whatever that business may be? What would be the best way to market that business? If you are um, a new company, uh, start with the why. Why are you starting this company? What problem are you trying to solve? Who is your? Who do you think your customer is? Because when you're just starting, you may not know your customer just yet. But who do you think your customer is? Um, and then from there, after you're asking yourself a lot of these questions, why did I start this? What's the problem I'm solving? Who am I serving? You, with those answers, you can start to develop the messaging of the brand uh, and get really clear on who your customer is and why you're the best person to help them. Uh, and then once you've established why you're the best or why you're the right fit to help whoever this customer is, you can start to craft your marketing strategy. So where does this customer spend most of their time? Where can you reach them? What is the cost to reach them there? Um, And then with branding, um, you know, there's a wide range of solutions for branding. You know, when you're just starting out, I'm always of the mindset to just test product market fit before you go and dump a bunch of money into marketing or branding. You can get a minimum viable product quickly, even through resources like Upwork or Fiverr. You can find freelancers to make your logo and figure out your color palette and to design your your website. But I would start there, you know, really get clear on who your customer is, and then that will inform um, the rest. I love this. This is such such important advice. Fiverr and Upwork, they're <laughs> amazing resources, 100%. Do you have any other websites or any, you mentioned you guys use Slack. What do you guys use to stay organized? Yeah, we, thank God we implemented Slack before the pandemic. Otherwise, I don't even know how we would be communicating with each other right now. <laughs> I basically live in Slack. Uh, so Slack is a must. QuickBooks, highly recommend for any entrepreneur to organize all their finances. We use bill.com to pay our bills, Google Suite for our emails and Google Docs. Um those are we use ClickUp to you know for project management and to organize ourselves. You know what I started using ChatGPT. I am obsessed. What do you use you it for use it? though? I I okay. I was actually logged in today. I was locked locked out for a little while because too many people were using it. But yes, I we totally play around in there. Mm-hmm. I will tell you what I use it for, because obviously I'm from Croatia. English is not my first language. And sometimes I say something in a way that I just know it's not grammatically correct, but I don't know what I said wrong because 
sometimes I'm translating in my brain directly from my language. And then I just put maybe like improve grammar or check my grammar. Yeah, just basically to improve my vocabulary that maybe I don't have. And I also learn a bunch of things there. Like I, I literally learn words on ChatGPT. I love it. Oh, it's I like, love- I feel like I'm going to school again. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, you could use it for, you can tell it like pretend you are, you know, this person and give me some ideas on this. Like it can, it can spit out brainstorming, you know, ideas for you. I was testing it the other day and I said, I need a name for a a uh, new dog brand that does XYZ and it gave me like a list of 20 names. So it yeah. can even do that. It's it's pretty incredible. I feel like I don't even know the proper way to use it. Those um I know there's like tips and tricks what you need to write for them to give you like the best possible answer, but I I love it. I hope it's going to stick around. You are so entrepreneurial, obviously. Is there anything else you're currently working on? Yes. So my business partner, Stephanie, and I partnered with one of our first investors and advisors in Entreprenista to launch Pearl Influential Capital, which is a company that uh, helps women-owned businesses raise money through influential investors. So what we're aiming to do with with Pearl is uh, we see that a lot of times women have a hard time raising money. There are a lot of stats about it. And we also see that once they do raise money, they do invest and spend a lot of money on influencer marketing. Uh, we've also seen on the influencer side, you know, we I, I write those checks every day to, to influencers <laughs> and a lot of influencers have come into uh, significant wealth. Uh, so what we're doing is we're giving them access to invest in these early stage startups and invest in brands that they love so that they can talk about it and hopefully the these women-owned companies will, one, get access to capital that they didn't have already, and two, uh, maybe spend less uh, on influencer marketing because they have influencers as investors. So that's uh, one of the things that I'm working on. And through that, we do a lot of education around what it means to angel invest and be an angel investor. Question about raising money. When you're starting a business, mostly it's self-funded. You obviously put your own money towards the business. And at some point you think that you need to raise money. When would you suggest, and I know this is a broad question because we need probably a specific example, but when would you suggest for somebody to raise money and for somebody not to raise money? For Socialfly, we did not raise any money and I'm really glad that we didn't. And for anyone that doesn't need to raise money. Uh, I highly recommend not. Um, you know, you can take out a loan. Um, you can uh, max out your credit cards. Uh, you know, be be responsible. But raising money is is not necessarily the always the best way to grow your business. Now you have investors, people you need to answer to. So the ideal situation is to not raise money uh, and to try to figure out how to get your business off the ground. Um, without invest and without investors. However, some business models don't allow for that and it's just not possible to grow and scale the business without those initial invest investors, especially very tech heavy uh, companies, companies that need whole, you know, 
and engineer teams to to really get it off the ground or sales Build teams. Build an app and stuff like that. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So my advice is one, prove out your concept first. Uh, get a little as much traction as you can uh, with your minimum viable product, and then. Once you've figured out your learnings, um, try to understand how much money you need to really get take your business to the next level. And something that we offer at Entreprenista is we offer a um, capital raising power group. So for any Entreprenista looking to raise money, we have a, a solution, a group basically that they can join and it's a whole program to learn the ins and outs of, of raising money. Courtney, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like, again, I, I always learn something. I learn something at this conversation. So podcasts are amazing. I love podcasting. Please share where can everybody find you, all of your businesses. Again, I'm going to put everything in the show notes so you guys can access it very easily. But please go ahead. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, you can follow me uh, at Court Spritzer on Instagram and then at Socialfly on Instagram, at Entrepreneistas on Instagram, at My Workrobe or at Pearl Influential. Uh, so that's where you can find us on Instagram. And of course, there's all the associated websites and LinkedIn and Twitter. <laughs> so you basically have no excuse. Uh, there is a place for you to reach out to me online. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Well, thank you, Courtney, again. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.